Welcome to Radio Eyes Diary of Science and Nature. Your reader is Kelly Taylor. I'll read a variety of articles that have been selected based on level of interest. As a reminder, Radio Eye is a reading service intended for people who are blind or have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. Our first article today is going to come from the Washington Post, written by Sarah Kaplan, and the headline is Key Ocean Current Weakening. The Atlantic Ocean's sensitive circulation system has become slower and less resilient, according to a new analysis of 150 years of temperature data, raising the possibility that this crucial element of the climate system could collapse within the next few decades. Scientists have long seen the Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation, or AMOC, as one of the planet's most vulnerable tipping elements, meaning the system could undergo an abrupt and irreversible change with dramatic consequences for the rest of the globe. Under Earth's current climate, this aquatic conveyor belt transports warm, salty water from the tropics to the North Atlantic and then sends colder water back south along the ocean floor. But as rising global temperatures melt Arctic ice, the resulting influx of cold, fresh water has thrown a wrench in the system and could shut it down entirely. The study published Tuesday in the journal Nature Communications suggests that continued warming will push the AMOC over its tipping point around the middle of this century. The shift would be as abrupt and irreversible as turning off a light switch, and it could lead to dramatic changes in weather on either side of the Atlantic. Quote, this is a really worrying result, said Peter Ditlevson, a climate physicist at the University of Copenhagen and lead author of the new study. Quote, this is really showing we need a hard foot on the brake of greenhouse gas emissions. Ditlevson's analysis is at odds with the most recent report from the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which drew on multiple climate models and concluded with medium confidence that the AMOC will not fully collapse this century. Other experts on the AMOC also cautioned that because the new study doesn't present new observations of the entire ocean system, instead, It is extrapolating about the future based on past data from a limited region of the Atlantic. Its conclusions should be taken with a grain of salt. Quote, the qualitative statement that AMOC has been losing stability in the last century remains true even taking all uncertainties into account, said Nicholas Bors, scientist at the Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact research in Germany. Quote, but the uncertainties are too high for a reliable estimate of the time of AMOC tipping, end quote. The new study adds to a growing body of evidence that this crucial ocean system is in peril. Since 2004, observations from a network of ocean buoys has showed the AMOC getting weaker, though the limited time frame of that data set makes it hard to establish a trend. Scientists have also analyzed multiple proxy indicators of the current's strength, including microscopic organisms and tiny sediments from the seafloor, 
to show the system is in its weakest state in more than 1,000 years. For their analysis, Peter Ditlevson and his colleague Suzanne Ditlevson, who is Peter's sister, examined records of sea surface temperatures going back to 1870. In recent years, they found temperatures in the northernmost waters of the Atlantic have undergone bigger fluctuations and taken longer to return to normal. These are, quote, early warning signals, end quote, that the AMOC is becoming critically unstable, the scientists said, like the increasingly wild wobbles before a tower of Jenga blocks starts to fall. Suzanne Didlevson, statistician at the University of Copenhagen, then developed an advanced mathematical model to predict how much more wobbling the AMOC system can handle. The results suggest that the AMOC could collapse anytime between now and 2095 and as early as 2025, the author said. The consequences would not be nearly as dire as they appear in the 2004 sci-fi film, The Day After Tomorrow, in which a sudden shutdown of the current causes a flash freeze across the Northern Hemisphere. But it could lead to a drop in temperatures in Northern Europe and elevated warming in the tropics, Peter Ditlevson said, as well as stronger storms on the east coast of North America. And now an article from Bloomberg. And the headline reads, Record Hot Oceans Are Driving Weather Disasters Around the World. Heat searing enough to knock out mobile phones. Wildfire smoke that turns the skies an apocalyptic orange. Flash floods submerging towns in upstate New York and Vermont. This grim procession of recent disasters is being driven in part by climate change, But there's one particular facet of global warming that's providing potent fuel to make extreme weather even more intense. Record hot oceans. Global ocean surface temperatures in June were the highest in 174 years of data, with the emergence of the El Nino weather pattern piling onto the long-term trend. Near Miami, coastal Atlantic waters are pushing 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Hot oceans are amplifying weather-driven catastrophes that are claiming lives and inflicting massive economic damage, a cost that could rise to a trillion dollars per year in the coming decades, according to marine scientist Deborah Brosnan. They're also accelerating climate change. As water temperatures rise, oceans lose their ability to serve a vital function, absorb the world's excess heat. Quote, Warming ocean temperatures will, and currently are having, huge impact on land, said Brosnan, founder of environmental risk consultancy, Deborah Brosnan and Associates. Quote, strange and dangerous weather patterns will be the norm in places where they've never happened before and at higher frequency, end quote. In recent decades, global seas soaked up 90% of the warming caused by greenhouse gases. As oceans heat up, They trigger a vicious cycle of higher land temperatures, which in turn contribute to hotter seas. That's setting off a cascade of climate impacts, including stronger storms, rising sea levels, and the loss of coral reefs and other marine life. As water temperatures climbed, they've had impacts that extend to the most remote places on Earth. Antarctic sea ice reached its lowest June extent on record, despite winter being underway there 
according to the U.S. National Centers for Environmental Information. But the impact of, of sizzling seas has hit closer to home for millions around the world, often with catastrophic results. Hurricanes and typhoons are among the most salient examples of extreme weather fueled by warm oceans. Soaring water temperatures supercharge storms by adding moisture to the atmosphere, and there are signs that's already happening. Global accumulated cyclone energy, a measure of storms' collective power, was almost twice the normal value for June. Earlier this year, Tropical Cyclone Freddy set a preliminary record as the longest-lasting tropical cyclone ever recorded. The storm formed near Australia and crossed the Indian Ocean before making landfall in East Africa and killing hundreds. Freddy put out as much power as all the storms in an average North Atlantic hurricane season. It was followed in April by Tropical Cyclone Ilsa, which roared into Western Australia with the strongest winds on record in the, in the area before landfall. The world is currently in the grips of an, El Ni of an El Nino, a natural climate pattern characterized by warmer than normal waters in the eastern tropical Pacific. That shifts weather patterns around the world, though it also typically creates wind conditions that tamp down on storms in the Atlantic. But hot Atlantic Ocean temperatures could change that. Though the North Atlantic hurricane season doesn't usually reach its peak until September, it's already seen an active start with two storms turning at the same time in June, the first time that's happened in more than five decades. This year could see more storm activity than normal. The hot ocean temperatures are a major reason Phil Klotzbach, author of the closely watched Colorado State University Hurricane Outlook, boosted his forecast for this year's Atlantic hurricane season to 18 named storms from 14 in June. Quote, while we're likely to have a moderate to potentially even strong El Nino event for the peak of Atlantic hurricane season, the extremely warm Atlantic is likely to mitigate the wind conditions that can rip apart storms, he said. Rainfall from everyday summer storms has also been juiced by hot seas, unleashing destruction far from the coast. Flooding across the U.S. Northeast in July killed one woman in New York, closed rail lines, and devastated Vermont, causing as much as $5 billion in losses. The freak storm tapped into a deep vein of moisture stretching all the way from the Atlantic. Warm oceans also contribute to the other end of the extreme weather spectrum, droughts and wildfires. Winds in the upper atmosphere, known as the jet stream, are influenced by the ocean below, and hot seas can cause them to bend in extreme ways. That results in areas of high pressure that can trap hot air in place for weeks, a phenomenon known as heat domes. In Texas, Blistering conditions have sent power demand to record highs. The sizzling heat has extended to Europe, where temperatures on the Italian island of Sardinia touched 115 degrees Fahrenheit last week and nearly toppled Europe's all-time high. Scorching weather is also blanketing Asia, with temperatures in Tokyo soaring to nearly 16 degrees Fahrenheit above the seasonal average. This shift in the jet stream kept storms away from Canada, 
leading to drought and the nation's worst wildfire season on record. A haze from the Canadian blazes descended on New York City in June, creating hazardous air quality and later drifted across the Atlantic to Europe. Quote, this pattern has been in place most of the winter and spring, and it is responsible for the storms out west, persistent dry conditions where the fires are raging, and the winds bringing the smoke to the eastern seaboard, said Jennifer Francis, a climate scientist at the Woodwell Climate Research Center in Massachusetts. Bone dry conditions are lowering water levels on the Mississippi and Ohio rivers in the U.S., and the Rhine and the Danube in Europe, raising the prospect of shipping problems on important freight routes. The drought is also threatening global supplies of crops, including sugarcane and rice. As oceans heat up, they are also less able to absorb CO2 from the atmosphere, said Brosnan. That could create a cycle of warming oceans, more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and, as a result, ever more extreme weather. The problem of warming oceans ultimately only has one solution, according to Michael Mann, a climate scientist at the University of Pennsylvania. Cut greenhouse gas emissions. Quote, the large factor here at the global scale is the ongoing warming from carbon pollution, Mann said. It's the steady overall ocean heating we should be most concerned about. It will continue until carbon emissions reach zero, end quote. And now we'll turn to an article that is headlined, South Florida Ocean Tops 100 Degrees Could Be World Record. Written by Ian Livingston and Jason Samenow for the Washington Post. Excessively hot waters off the coast of South Florida rose to an unfathomable level Monday evening. A buoy in Manatee Bay, about 40 miles south of Miami, posted a temperature of 101.1 degrees at 6 p.m. Eastern Time after a morning low of 91 degrees. Temperatures remained at or above 100 from 5 p.m. through late evening. For comparison, the quote-unquote ideal temperature of a hot tub is 100 to 102 degrees, according to jacuzzi.com. The Manatee Bay reading could be unprecedented globally, although there are no official records maintained for ocean temperatures. The study published in 2020 proposed that the highest sea surface temperature reliably observed may have been 99.7 degrees in the middle of Kuwait Bay wrote Jeff Masters, meteorologist and writer for Yale Climate Connections. The temperature at Manatee Bay was measured at shallow levels about five feet below the surface where waters can easily heat up. Masters tweeted that it's not clear if the temperature is valid because of contamination of the measurement by land effects and organic matter in the water. However, the Manatee Bay buoy temperature reading was among several extreme values in South Florida's offshore waters. To the southwest, a buoy near Johnson Key topped out at 98 degrees. The temperature hovered at or above 98 degrees for several hours. A majority of buoys in the area reached or surpassed 95 degrees during the day. In fact, the average of the two dozen observation locations in and around Florida Bay was right around 96 degrees during the early evening. The water temperatures were remarkable for being even higher than air temperatures. Master explained on Twitter that sunlit shallow water surrounded by dark land 
can have a sea surface temperature that exceeds the air temperature. The extreme ocean heat comes amid Florida's hottest July on record. Miami, Key West, Naples, Tampa, and many other cities are seeing their toastiest July. Most of South Florida is also experiencing its hottest year on record thus far, according to data compiled by the Southeast Regional Climate Center. Miami has reached at least 90 degrees on 64 days, while Fort Myers and Key West have done so on 97 and 46 days, respectively, all of which are year-to-date records. The heat index in Miami, taking into account humidity as well as air temperature, has reached at least 100 degrees on a record 44 straight days. Meanwhile, overnight low temperatures have averaged 80 to 83 degrees over the past several weeks in these areas, allowing ocean temperatures to remain extremely warm. Scorching waters off South Florida are only one of several regions in the Northern Hemisphere experiencing a marine heat wave, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's Coral Reef Watch, which monitors ocean temperatures around the planet. Other ocean hotspots include the Mediterranean, which reached its hottest level on record Monday, averaging 83 degrees the waters west of Peru, and the North Atlantic Ocean, where water temperatures are off the charts. The abnormally warm waters surrounding South Florida and the Florida Keys are already damaging coral reefs, according to scientists. The Coral Restoration Foundation, uh, that works to preserve and restore corals, wrote that the historically high water temperatures are creating a severe and urgent crisis in a news release late last week. On Thursday, scientists at the foundation visited Sombrero Reef, south of Marathon in the Florida Keys, to assess its health. What we found was unimaginable, 100% coral mortality, said Fanor Montoya Maya, restoration program manager at the foundation. Quote, we have lost almost all the corals in the Lou Key Nursery in the Lower Keys. The foundation said the situation underscores the urgency of addressing climate change. Now, an article from New York Daily News written by Teresa Brain uh, headlined, Arizona heat wave so severe that people getting burns from falling to ground. It's so hot in Phoenix that people are getting burned just from falling on the ground, a burn center said Monday. Some of the burns have been potentially life-threatening, one doctor told CNN. Emergency rooms in Maricopa County have been seeing patients with burns from falling on the ground, some of them with life-threatening injuries. Quote, summers are our busy season, so we anticipate that this sort of thing is going to happen, but this is really unusual. The number of patients that we're seeing and the severity of injuries, the acuity of injuries is much higher says Dr. Kevin Foster, Director of Burn Services at Valleywise Health's, Valleywise Health's Arizona Burn Center. Quote, the numbers are higher and the seriousness of injuries are higher and we don't have a good explanation for it, end quote. He added that the 45-bed burn center was full with about 15 of the patients burned from falling on the ground. In addition, about half the burn patients in the ICU were also burned after falls. Quote, external surface temperatures can reach 180 degrees Fahrenheit and deep cutaneous burns can happen with only brief contact, Foster said in a previous statement. Exposure often occurs in patients with impairments, 
that prevent them from quickly removing themselves from such contact, leading to severe injury, end quote. In a recent report, the Burn Center said it admitted 85 people with heat-related burn injuries in June, July, and August of 2022, and seven of them died. Some of those showed up hyperthermic with body temperatures topping 108 degrees. A third of those patients spent time in the ICU and 70% were intubated. Patients needed an average of two surgeries and one required 18. Hospital stays averaged 16 days. As of Sunday, Phoenix had seen 24 consecutive days of highs topping 110 degrees Fahrenheit. Babies, the elderly, and pets are most vulnerable to such heat, the Burn Center noted. Now we'll read an article from the uh, Lexington Herald Leader and written by Bill Estep. The headline is New Giant Solar Project Expected to Transform Former Surface Mine in Eastern Kentucky. This is dated July 26th. A giant solar array on a former surface coal mine in Eastern Kentucky could one day generate enough electricity to serve the equivalent of 500,000 homes helping combat climate change company and state officials announced Tuesday. The project would turn a site that produced a product blamed for contributing to global warming to one that will help cut carbon emissions that caused warming, supporters said. Quote, you are witnessing the future right here, says Jennifer Morris, CEO of the Nature Conservancy. Bright Knight, a renewable power company, plans to build the solar array on the former Starfire mine which is in Perry, Knott, and Breathitt counties. The plan is to build the project in four stages, ultimately reaching capacity to generate 800 megawatts of electricity after the final phase, said Bright Knight CEO Martin Herman. The investment in the project would be $1 billion. It would be the largest solar project in Kentucky and one of the largest in the nation on a former surface mine, the partners said in a news release. Herman said the project will transform a coal mine, reinvest in a region that has been an energy leader and wants to continue that role, and show the power of corporate purchasing to drive development of renewable energy. I think we have a great milestone today, he said. Rivian, which works to promote use of renewable energy to electrify the transportation sector, has committed to buying enough power from the project to provide up to 450 million miles of driving with renewable power, according to a news release. Quote, we need to have projects like this happening thousands of times over, end quote, to speed up the transition to carbon-free energy, said Rivian founder R.J. Scaringe. The Nature Conservancy's involvement in the project included advising Rivian on choosing a renewable energy project to support. The organization also will buy power from the project to help reach its sustainability plans. Bright Knight would feed power to the grid, and Rivian and the Nature Conservancy would receive renewable energy credits against their carbon use. The Nature Conservancy and Rivian developed a guide on how companies can back projects aimed at boosting clean energy projects based on the principles of protecting the climate, conservation, including protecting habitat, and helping communities. 
The Starfire project would put dormant land back into productive use, generating clean electricity, and avoid having to cut trees to make space for solar panels or use agricultural land, said Morris. Quote, significant investments in infrastructure will be critical to solving the climate crisis, but how we invest is just as important as how much we invest, Morris said. Quote, we need to make sure both people and the planet are central to these decisions, especially in communities like the Appalachians that have powered America for centuries and have tremendous natural resources, end quote. Central Appalachia, including eastern Kentucky, is a priority area for the organization to protect because it is one of the most biodiverse places on the planet. The goal is to start construction on the first phase of the Starfire project in 2025 and begin generating power in 2027. However, that timetable depends on the operator of the grid the power would feed into, PJM. Finishing a study on how to integrate electricity from the array into its system, Herman said. Herman said the project would create an estimated 250 direct construction jobs in each of the four phases, as well as related jobs. The facility would provide a few jobs after it's finished, but could drive other investments and boost tax revenue for local governments, supporters said. Quote, this is an investment in the future of Kentucky, says Rocky Adkins, senior advisor to Governor Andy Beshear. Herman said former state auditor Adam Edelin, who has a separate solar project underway in Martin County, helped originate the Starfire project. Rebecca Goodman, secretary of the Kentucky Energy and Environment Cabinet, said the state would like to see more solar projects on reclaimed mine sites. Coal companies started mining at Starfire more than 50 years ago and ultimately mined and reclaimed 20,000 acres. Coal from the site helped build America, said Adkins, who once worked for the company that operated the mine. The site for the solar array is near the Olive Branch community, being developed to provide homes for people displaced by devastating flooding in the Hazard area on July 28, 2022. Bright Knight and the state are discussing ways the company can help at that development, according to a news release. It's difficult to attribute any single weather disaster to climate change, but the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has said human activity that puts greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, including burning coal, has caused global warming that drives adverse events such as more intense storms, drought, and wildfire. And finally, we have this article from USA Today, More than 50 whales have died and 45 more will be euthanized after a pod of nearly 100 whales became stranded on a beach in Western Australia. On Tuesday morning, the pod of long-finned pilot whales were spotted swimming close to Chains Beach near the city of Albany, which is on the southern tip of Western Australia. Hours later, a group of 60 to 70 whales found themselves stuck on the beach the Parks and Wildlife Service of Western Australia said in a statement. Department of Biodiversity, Conservation and Attractions officers and veterinarians decided to euthanize the remaining whales to avoid prolonging their suffering, the Wildlife Service said on Facebook. 
It was a difficult decision for all involved. However, the welfare of the whales had to take precedence, Wildlife Service said. We thank everyone who assisted with the attempt to save the whales over the last two days. Well, that's all for today's Diary of Science and Nature. Your reader is Kelly Taylor. Now stay tuned for the Health Corner on Radio Eye.